Hello to all of you from a typical day. Typical? No, let's say another day full of adventure. Ah, buddy, I've just come back from the bank. I wouldn't call it an adventure, but I do like the people who work there. It's just, you know, something you do every day. So everything is quite predictable. Yeah, if you're always in that routine. (laughs) Fair enough. Isn't it also difficult to get out of that routine when you have certain things to do, though? Well, I'd agree with this, but partly. We can actually try simple things even in this cycle. Like? Like taking a different road to work or gazing at different things around you. True. Does it ever happen to you like, oh, has it always been here? Yeah, all the time. Sometimes I turn off my senses so much that I don't even pay attention to something I actually see every day. Then I'm like, oh, that's very new to me. Even if they're not so new to us, sometimes we learn to understand the reality between some things. Yeah, there are so many things we use every day, or simply pass by, but are we really sure about their true purpose? Today we might surprise you about this. Shall we begin, good sir? Yeah. Let's visit your kitchen a little. Now, imagine you're craving for delicious spaghetti. How do you arrange how much you need to eat? Oh, spaghetti. Yeah, I roughly take some and put it in the hot water. What if I told you there was actually something we probably all have to measure it? Uh, I can't really think of anything. (laughs) Try to remember those big spoons with some holes in it. Actually, there's a reason behind this design. This hole shows the exact amount of dry pasta you need for one serving. No kidding. Honestly, I never even thought about that before. Okay, let's continue cooking your pasta. You use a pan for it, right? Sure. You actually have holes in the handles of your pan. They were designed to put the spoon you're using for cooking. Really? I feel so sad for my past five years dripping sauce all over the stove. (laughs) I'm really not trying to judge your cooking skills. Since you're an amazing chef, can you explain to us why we have holes in some of the cheeses? Hey, first of all, they're called eyes, and they're made by bacteria. They release carbon dioxide when the cheese is almost ready. This gas forms these eyes. (laughs) Are you convinced now? Wow. Honestly, I didn't expect you'd know that. I'm taking my hat off to you, chef. Well, I owe this wisdom to Jerry the Mouse. You know, Tom and Jerry? Anyway, speaking of the holes, did you notice the small hole in the caps of pens as well? Yeah. It's for regulating the air pressure. It's the little venting system helping ink flow more smoothly. Oh, one point for you. But apart from that, it also has a simpler and more important function. Since a lot of people love to bite these pens, this hole reduces the risk of choking if it gets stuck in their throat. I'd call it a real user experience. Also, let's mention the tiny holes at the bottom of the airplane windows. They look so tiny, but their function is so important. They also handle the air pressure in the cabin. You know, that's why I especially love these small details. They really do matter a lot. Even in our clothes, we don't really notice these details. Even if we notice, we don't really question their use. I'm pretty sure you must have seen those metal rivets on jeans. Isn't that just part of the design? Well, actually, they're added to make our jeans more durable against tearing when we stretch. There's also a fifth pocket part on our jeans. Did you notice? Oh, yeah, the tiny one in the front part, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's known, but actually, the front pocket isn't really the fifth pocket. Originally, jeans were made with four pockets, including that little one in front. Oh, so they added one of the bigger ones later? Yeah, 
1901, they added the one on the back left. Well, what was its purpose? It was a perfect storage for cowboys' pocket watches, as well as being handy. Well, clearly we don't have that many cowboys anymore, so it's very strange they still add that pocket, even today. Yeah, I think they just want to keep the tradition. It looks so stylish, too. You know, this reminds me of those coats with the elbow patches on it. Back in those times, they put these pieces of fabric in the elbow part because it was easier. And cheaper. It makes sense to patch it. Why would you need to buy a new one when you can repair it? Exactly. When professors were wearing them, the fabric was sometimes leather, suede, or heavy wool. It was really useful since you would rub your elbows against the desk and the blackboards. Well, we still have them today like fifth pockets for aesthetic purposes. And to continue with clothes, the trick is, for those who love wearing shirts, if you're feeling too lazy to iron your shirts, like me, you should maybe check the back of your button-up shirt, because you can actually hang it from its loop without making it wrinkled. Ah, this one has a nice cultural story, too. You know what? Young gentlemen used to cut those loops off once they started dating somebody. Well, that's a demonstrative way of saying, oops, sorry, I'm taken already. Yeah. Also, one interesting thing about women's shirts. Strangely, the buttons on their shirts are on the left, even though they're mostly right-handed. Doesn't that make it way more difficult to button up? Not if you make someone else do it. What do you mean? Well, this thing comes from the times when upper-class ladies had handmaidens that helped them get dressed. Which means the buttons are actually on the right side of the handmaidens. Ah. Yeah, it was easier for them. You know, I've also checked out some famous logos, and I learned the story behind them. Do we still have some time for this? Sure, go for it. I'm sure our designer listeners will enjoy it. Okay, those who are interested in the cycling world might recognize the Tour de France name. Is it a cycling tournament? Oui, oui. I personally like its logo. At first glance, you can notice some dots placed between the letters, but actually, they form a cyclist with the letters O, U, and R. Mm, I'm not familiar with the logo, so I really can't comment on it. All right, well, maybe we can go for a famous chocolate. I'm sure you're familiar with that. Give me some clues. Okay, I'll give you some clues. Its founder is called John Tobler. And? There's this Italian word, tarone, which is made of honey and almond nougat and some other ingredients. Maybe you can try to connect these two names? Tobler, Tobler. Ah, Toblerone, the one with the golden mountain in the logo, right? Yeah, but if you look in detail, you'll actually notice a bear standing on its hind legs. Let me refresh my memory. I'll check the photo. Yeah, go ahead. Have a look. What's with a bear, then? Well, its founder created the Triangle Chocolate Treat in the city called Bern. It's one of the biggest cities in Switzerland. And bears are a big part of this city. Look, they even use the bear as their mascot. You got it. Time to analyze another sweet thing. I love this one a lot with some milk. An Oreo cookie. This cookie's design reminds me of a Mayan calendar. I really like it. Well, I don't want to upset the hidden Indiana Jones in you, but actually, this cookie has the Nabisco logo. What was that exactly? It's the symbol of European quality. And trust me, I don't know anyone who doesn't like them. Actually, every year, they produce over 40 billion Oreo cookies. That's insane. Have you found anything about the Airbnb logo? Oh, I didn't check it out. Why? To some, it might look like a reversed heart. Uh, to me, it kind of looks more like a bent paperclip. Well, the logo itself is so minimal, but reflects a lot of things. First of all, you can see a person's head, then the location symbol, and, of course, a heart for love. 
Altogether, they form this iconic A symbol of Airbnb. Man, that's really well designed. But I'd never think about it that much. Also, as a brief, the letter E in the Dell's logo is kind of facing upwards with a different angle than the other letters. That symbolizes Michael Dell's desire to turn the world on its ear with his technology. Huh. Well, I'll tell you about another surprising one, the Mozilla Firefox. Don't tell me it's not a fox surrounding the planet. Man, I was thinking the same thing, but it turned out to be a red panda. A red panda? Okay, so they clearly use an orange-colored animal. I still picture it as a fox, and they call their web browser as Mozilla Firefox. And then they're so, oh, that's a panda. Well, I know it sounds complicated, but actually the name Firefox is the English translation of its Chinese name. Also, a red panda kind of looks like a red fox. Even if they look similar, these animals are not even red-colored. They have an orange color. I don't really know why we keep calling them red. Yeah, we humans are quite complicated creatures. We actually consider the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco to be an international orange color. To me, it's pretty obvious it's red. Huh. It wasn't even supposed to be this color in the beginning, you know. What? What do you mean? Well, they were thinking of making it with some stripes, such as black and yellow. Ugly. Yikes. Well, I'm glad it's just a plain color. Yeah, same here. You know, there's actually a twin sister of the Golden Gate in Lisbon. It's designed by the same consortium. It also looks quite red, but in reality, it's that international orange color. Where does this international orange term come from? Well, when the steel arrived covered in an orange primer to protect it from rust, the architect preferred this international orange color, and so it stuck. Hmm. Anyway, I think I'm going to need some time to process this. All right, let's not wander off the subject. You still have some things you want to talk about? Only a few more everyday items. Go for it. I'm all ears. Well, I'm really curious if people actually know everything about the rearview mirrors in their cars. What, you really don't think so? I mean, I don't doubt it completely. I'm pretty sure many people are good drivers, but as we've been talking, we may not be aware of everything. So, next time you drive, make sure you check this mirror, especially the bottom center part. Oh, you, you mean that tab at the bottom center with the day and night mode? Yeah. Some people I know didn't really know this feature exists, but I think it makes things more comfortable. When this is flipped forward, the mirror is in day mode, providing a strong reflection of everything behind the car. Flipping the tab backward changes the whole situation to night mode. This reduces the brightness of the headlights behind you, which means a safer drive. You know, I especially use the night mode. It's pretty helpful. Now, one more car trick. If you're using a different car than usual, you can actually see which side the gas tank is on through a handy indicator. You see a tiny arrow next to the pump icon that points either left or right, and ta-da! Where the arrow points, that's where your gas tank is. And this doesn't work on electric cars. Man, from being an archaeologist to a driving instructor, I think this podcast program brings out all our potential. I can't deny it. So, today we focused on a lot of objects with traits we didn't even know about before. But actually, at some point, I think we might miss some details even about the people around us. That's the point where being present and trying to understand what the other person is talking about is really important. I mean, I'm not saying that we have to keep our senses on 24-7, but if we pay more attention to the little things, I think it's possible to realize more potential in everything. It's valid even with our animal friends. Since we can't really speak the same language, we just choose a routine way to understand them. But there could be more that they're trying to tell us. 
Now listen, buddy, before we end the podcast, why don't you tell me, are you a cat person or a dog person? Hmm, I don't really know where this goes, but I'll say I'm definitely a dog person. They're more friendly. Cats are like, meh, get out of my way, human. I'll do whatever I like. Yeah, they might seem so, but behind every action, there's a reason. Have you ever seen them playing with some stuff on the table? Ah, you mean the inevitable end of the poor glasses? They just look at you and throw away whatever they find on the table with their cute paws. But they're not doing this to annoy you. In fact, it's an instinctive behavior. They either want to check if the item's alive, or they just want some attention from you. I'm not sure if it's a good way to call your human to your presence by breaking some stuff. It can be really annoying for some. Well, that's exactly why they're behaving like this. They know that humans are going to show up immediately when they hear something broken. Yeah, they're so smart, but like we say, not everyone can actually try to understand why they behave like this. Maybe they'll simply be angry. Well, even in this case, I think they're just so furry and cute that I can't even really be mad at them. Whatever they do, they're always right for me, even if I don't really get them completely. You should have been in ancient Egypt times then. I know, they're sacred animals, right? I think I'll convince you later about cats. But I'll still keep on being a dog person. At least I can say I'm open to know more about their crazy world. All right, folks. I hope that you've learned some facts about the stuff that you use at home today. Now, since you know their true purpose, you can make your life even more practical now. So go and check your jeans and shirts so you can experience this yourself. And what should we do now? Well, why don't we do something spontaneous this evening? You really seem to need it, buddy. Yes, please. All right. Well, stay out of your routine. Till next time.